This place has impacted my life in such positive ways because of what we learn here and also what we're able to do outside the building in promoting awareness of ALS. Uh, and that, I think that's tremendously important. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Connecting ALS. I'm your host, Mike Stevenson, with the ALS Association. This month, we're going to address the topic of parenting while living with ALS, and we'll also hear from a few members of an ALS support group about what their monthly meetings have meant to them. And to wrap up the episode, we have a big announcement about the future of the podcast, so I hope you stick around to the end to hear that bit of news. For our parenting discussion, we called in a couple that has had a tremendous impact on both the ALS community and the larger world around them. Clay and Jana Ahrens live in the Twin Cities and have become dedicated advocates, advisors, and fundraisers since Clay's diagnosis in 2014. And they've accomplished all of that while raising two children, which I'm sure many of you can attest to is a feat in and of itself. We invited Clay and Jana in to tell their story, so let's listen to that conversation now. I'm here in studio with Clay and Jana Ahrens of St. Paul, Minnesota. Ooh, did you want me to say St. Paul or now that you're in Minneapolis? Or, uh, Minneapolis. Formerly St. Paul, now Minnesota. Uh, but good morning to you both, and thanks for joining us on Connecting ALS. Yeah, uh, uh, good morning. Good morning, Mike. So I've known the two of you for about five years now and have had the privilege of getting to know the two of you and your family pretty well. Clay, uh, to begin with, you and I met after you'd already been diagnosed with ALS. Can you start by telling our listeners just a little bit about that process and how you were diagnosed, if you don't mind? Uh, sure. Uh, well, uh, thanks for having us. Um, uh, I was uh, diagnosed on uh, February uh, 24th, uh, 2014, so almost uh, six uh, years ago. But my first symptom was about uh, uh, 10 years uh, before that. Mm. And uh, so everything started with weakness in my left leg. Mm -hmm. And it uh, sort of uh, started with me uh, stumbling and then not being able to uh, run or do many of the uh, things I uh, used to uh, do naturally. It uh, slowly spread to my right leg and then my uh, left arm a little. And then eventually, around 2013, my voice started to become weaker and weaker. Mm -hmm. So a really uh, smart uh, a neurologist uh, referred me to the Hennepin uh, uh, County ALS uh, Center for more diagnostic uh, testing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, my diagnosis was uh, confirmed on uh, February uh, 24th, uh, a day I'll never uh, forget. I can imagine, and and because that diagnostic process ended up being drawn out for a while, as it does for many people living with ALS, you must have had, you know, swirling emotions and thoughts and concerns throughout. And Jana, I bet that was probably pretty difficult on your end as well, just not knowing that whole time. 
Yeah, I think we had many diagnoses before we got all the way to the doctor telling us about ALS. Um, along the way, I think all of those hit you a different way. Mm-hmm. But surely that last one was very hard to deal with. Yeah. And yet you knew that that was the actual answer then. You mm-hmm. weren't un- left not knowing. Yeah. And so uh, just to give people kind of a progress update, uh, um, amount of time has passed now. We're six years on from that. How are you feeling these days? I know uh, all things I, I consider. I, I feel pretty good. Um, my um, strength is, I mean, uh, I'm uh, getting weaker. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I can tell that my um, ability to uh, get around is uh, harder. I uh, feel like my voice is uh, weaker, but it's um, pretty uh, gradual. So um, I feel uh, fortunate uh, from that standpoint. And in that time, the two of you and really your entire family have done so much for the ALS community. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But the primary reason we brought you in was to talk about parenting, because I and many of us have seen and admired your parenting skills from up close and afar. And we've watched your teenagers grow into young adults, which I still can't believe. And and Jana, you were just visiting uh, your son Forrest at school, right, for his 20th birthday. Does that seem possible that he's 20 years old? Yeah, it doesn't seem possible, right? I think when we first got the diagnosis, the one thing that I always had in my mind was they just have to get get them through high school, get Mm -hmm. them launched. And so there is a great kind of sense of reaching a goal that he's moved out, he's living independently. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Yeah, that's yeah. Like 20. <laughs> You're uh, getting really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really what the children aging does, right? right. Make us feel old. Exactly. Ugh. Uh, well, we're hoping you can offer some perspective because raising children in this century is challenging enough, but adding uh, some of the challenges brought on by this disease has to complicate things a fair amount. I can't even imagine. How old were your kids when they were di- when you were diagnosed then? Uh, Forrest was uh, 14 and uh, Olivia was uh, 11. Okay, okay. And uh, a little bit older than some other folks living with ALS that have children and younger than others. It, it really depends on where you're at. And something that I've heard from a number of people living with ALS and families is that's one of the hardest things to do, to tell their children uh, had to have been a tough moment. How did the two of you decide to deliver that news? Well, um, I uh, think we uh, didn't tell them uh, right away. Mm. We uh, took a little time after uh, getting the uh, diagnosis to make sure we uh, um, were on the uh, same page with how we would uh, deliver the uh, news and uh, in what uh, context, mm-hmm. because uh, they were teenagers, and that uh, is a really uh, a special uh, time of life mm-hmm. for uh, someone to uh, hear any news that is uh, gonna drastically or uh, could drastically affect uh, their uh, future. So we uh, took time and uh, uh, really one of the uh, things that we uh, did as part of the process was have a uh, 
uh, a physical therapist uh, come out and assess her uh, living situation mm. in our house. And she was um, really clear about that our house that we uh, were living in was uh, not going to work long term. So we knew we were uh, going to have to move in the uh, in near future. And so we incorporated that part of the uh, discussion and mm. telling them, and that really gave them uh, a tangible thing to uh, think about along with the uh, intangible uh, diagnosis uh, discussion. Sure. Is that kind of what you remember it? I also think we took some time to inform all of the major players in our life other than our kids first. We informed our parents, we informed our siblings, and our very close friends. And some of that was to give them a context of the mood of which we were going to deliver this. It wasn't going to be overwhelming, mm-hmm. being overwhelmed. It wasn't going to be being angry. We were going to have a a way that we wanted the kids to have that information from everyone kind of around them. So yeah. we did take a while to really talk to a lot of people first before the kids. Sounds like a really thoughtful approach. And again, it it really depends on the family and how they want to handle it. For your two children, do you remember how they processed it initially? Did they have a lot of questions up front? Uh, So uh, Jana is a uh, a teacher and uh, a far better uh, parent than I. (laughs) And uh, so I uh, remember her telling me um, in uh, preparation for this uh, discussion that our uh, kids are uh, sponges and they will um, uh, really react to how we are uh, coming across. So if we're uh, overly sad or angry or, uh, um, you know, whatever, uh, they will uh, internalize how we react much more than whatever uh, we say. Mm-hmm. So we uh, took the uh, time. And in uh, our case, um, they had uh, observed over uh, a lot of, uh, of my years that my ability to uh, get around um, yeah, was uh, diminished. So uh, they knew that things were uh, changing mm-hmm. with me and my um, uh, mobility. But this nevertheless was a, a big shock to everyone. And uh, so I uh, think they reacted um, um, uh, with uh, a certain amount of uh, sadness, Mm -hmm. but they had no context of what ALS means or would mean for them in the future. So that is uh, uh, probably how uh, I uh, remember them reacting. And most of us don't have that context. Was there anything, Jana, that surprised you about their reaction? Were you thinking like, oh, are they going to say this? Are they going to ask that? Did any of that go on? You know, I think at the age that they were, it was more their lack of questions about anything pertaining ALS and clay. It was more 
where's my bedroom going to be? Where's my, you know, if I move, what's going to happen to my school? So just the age they were very much, their questions were oriented around the move. So we really didn't offer them a lot of additional information at the time. We Mm -hmm. thought, and we did encourage them to ask us anything they wanted. And then also to please ask us and not to go online and looking for information on their own or to do that with us because of the age age that they were. I guess more broadly, did the diagnosis change anything about the way that you parented or about your general philosophy as parents of teenagers? I liked that question because I, I thought about that question more than any of the other questions. And I don't think it did change our parenting philosophy at all, but it did change a lot about what we decided to worry about. You know, you just can't worry about all of the little things anymore. You know, you've got kind of more important things to do. So I think it allowed us to relax a little bit about some of the little things that go wrong with teenagers and mm. and how you do that. But our general parenting style, I wouldn't say change very much. Mm. Do you agree with that, Clay? I uh, I totally agree. I think um, uh, they uh, just naturally um, stepped up and uh, did more things to uh, help me out and uh, help the uh, family out because um, teenagers uh, can be, by nature, pretty uh, um, uh, self-centered, mm. and that's what we uh, expected. But I uh, think it uh, to, uh, made them uh, step out side of uh, themselves more than what we uh, had uh, expected and um, wanted, they wanted to help out and ease the burden on both of us. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're very mature kids and now young adults, and I think that's a testament to the way that you raised them to begin with, but I'm sure that this experience did alter their perspective a little bit and then force them to look outside yeah. of themselves and grow up even a little more than, than you thought they might. How about family activities and planning and trips and, and just the normal flow of your month to month and year to year? Did that, did that change at all, thinking like, well, maybe there are things that we should prioritize, um, knowing that potentially the timeline might be adjusted? Well, uh, we had always um, been uh, pretty uh, deliberate about making sure we uh, prioritize um, uh, uh, activities and uh, 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 experiences over uh, things. And mm. uh, so we, uh, as a family, have always uh, tried to uh, travel and uh, experience uh, things uh, together. But uh, being diagnosed with ALS uh, definitely honed that um, uh, priority as um, something you don't want to put off something that you've been thinking about mm. doing uh, to a later date because um, there's uh, so many unknowns and um, my uh, ability to uh, get around um, uh, is uh, impacts everyone. Mm. I uh, often uh, say I uh, 
got the uh, diagnosis, but my family uh, got the disease. And mm. so um, when it impacts every aspect of your life, um, the main thing, I think, is uh, to make sure you're maximizing uh, the uh, time you spend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm hearing is you're you're really trying to live in the moment, and I've heard that from others as well. And Jana, you alluded to that alluded to that earlier. Is that how you feel that the family's operating these days? Definitely. I think also our activities became less physical activity as the children aged. There were less things that that we could do with them in the same way, and. I would be a terrible person with this because I want to do it my way or not at all. Mm. And Clay's really, really good about figuring out a way that he can join in the activities that are super physical in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a big gift for our family because although it's not necessarily the way that he would have liked to do it, he's still willing to do it And in order for the family to have some of those activities just in an adapted kind of way. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyone listening locally and probably a fair number of folks nationally will probably recognize your voices and for sure your names because your family has been an absolute force in fundraising and ALS advocacy. You've put together record-setting walk teams and made several trips to D.C. to meet with legislators. You've also, Clay, helped a number of families uh, navigate health care and insurance issues because of your career expertise in that area. You've really done a lot. You were presented an ALS Hero Award by the ALS Association a few years back for your amazing efforts. Why I'm bringing this up, aside from simply thanking you for all that you've done, we, we watched Forrest and Olivia support you and advocate and fundraise right alongside both of you. How much of that came naturally for them and how much uh, were you encouraging them to get more involved? I uh, think it uh, goes back to what I uh, I, uh, learned uh, from Jana is uh, that the uh, kids uh, really watch uh, what we do and uh, how we uh, react to uh, situations. Mm. And so me being more involved in trying to uh, do what I can to help not only us, but our um, uh, uh, other uh, patients and uh, family members uh, struggling with ALS uh, sort of um, uh, uh, inspired them to get more involved in uh, activities. So both uh, Forrest and Olivia have uh, been uh, ALS uh, team captains mm-hmm. uh, for our uh, local uh, chapter walk. And I think um, that uh, gave them a great sense of pride and accomplishment. Both have uh, set uh, goals uh, for themselves for uh, fundraising. They've uh, achieved those uh, goals. And I think those are life lessons that stick with you. So um, uh, from that uh, perspective, I think they have really uh, capitalize on uh, something that has uh, otherwise uh, uh, has uh, very little uh, uh, good news uh, attached to it. 
Yeah, and, and Jenna, that must make you pretty proud to see the two of them take that initiative and be leaders in that way and really step up. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're good kids. <laughs> I think they feel grateful, too. They look around at the community and they realize what a, a blessing we have for the things that, that Clay is still able to do. Mm. And they feel very grateful and a sense of responsibility to do the things that need to get done for the people who can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really true that you never know how many friends you have until a uh, tragedy uh, strikes. Mm. And, uh, so the people who have um, uh, shown up uh, for us in uh, support of our uh, family and of me, um, I think has definitely made an uh, impression on uh, both kids. Yeah, your network is incredible. I've met so many of those amazing people and the way that they've rallied around you and your family. Uh, it's a sight to see for sure. Clay's clan, uh, <laughs> as they're called, your walk team. Just a couple more questions for both of you, and thanks for, for bearing with me. You've been great. How much specifically have the kids wanted to be involved in the care aspects uh, of your disease? Do they want to attend clinics? Do they ask questions about those sort of things? Or is it more, is that an area where they, they keep a little distance? Uh, we've uh, told uh, both kids that they are uh, welcome to attend any uh, uh, clinic uh, that we uh, go to uh, and uh, to uh, ask us uh, questions because um, really we want them to get uh, information from us and about uh, our situation rather than uh, getting it from uh, the internet mm-hmm. or a third party um, uh, because uh, it really every case is uh, unique and yep. so every um, that's uh, important but um, our kids uh, ask questions we're honest uh, with them we make uh, sure that they um, uh, get the uh, uh, questions answered that they need because otherwise um, they won't uh, trust what we're saying and that is really the uh, precious thing that you have to make sure is maintained. Yeah. So, I think that we wanted them to go to clinic also because we wanted them to see the level of support that we receive there. Mm. And just, you know, we're not just at a regular doctor's appointment. We have, you know, seven people rounding around helping us. They haven't wanted to come to that yet unless they've offered to come if we wanted them to, Mm. but they haven't felt the need to do that, which is is good too. I think Forrest has participated in some University of Minnesota question answer mm. things with Clay. So he's done a little bit of sharing his experience, as has Olivia at a speech she gave about the family situation. So I think they're less in need of information from the clinic and more interested in sharing their experience in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I um, uh, would not occur to anyone uh, who is listening to uh, make sure they are capitalizing on what the uh, association has to offer in uh, terms of uh, care services uh, expertise and also um, uh, 
uh, support groups and um, uh, resources that the uh, chapter has because it's uh, really a resource, uh, a resource rich and um, uh, people oftentimes don't want to bother the association mm. with uh, questions or um, I, and what I uh, tell them is that the uh, association uh, exists to be bothered. Yeah. And that is why people give time and money yeah. to uh, support the uh, chapter. And it's uh, not a burden at all. In uh, fact, it uh, is the mission of the uh, chapter. That's very true, and thanks for bringing that up. The ALS Association does offer parenting resources and advice and consultation with our care services team, and, and people are welcome to call or email or stop in or attend a support group, like you said, to ask those type of questions. We, we certainly encourage that. And I imagine at ALS events and other things that you're involved with uh, with the ALS Association, you do meet a fair number of other families that are raising kids. And do you, do you share experiences or tips or talk? about some of the things that you're going through versus what they're going through. And I know you all have kids at different ages, but do you connect over that? Uh, absolutely. Um, really, one of my uh, first questions uh, to other uh, fellow people with ALS, I always ask about the uh, kids and how they're doing, and uh, if there's any way we uh, can uh, connect or uh, support them. Because, um, yeah, it's uh, critical to uh, make sure we're uh, uh, helping how we uh, can. Mm -hmm. And for us, we're always looking at the kids ahead of ours, saying, what, what are they going to need to know? What are they going to ask next? Because we told our kids so young at 11 and 14 or not so young, but yeah. definitely the conversation came back probably around 16, 17 in a very different way, mm. much more tailored to what does this mean for you? What is this going to look like? Where is this going to go? A little bit about the nature. Is this hereditary? What does this mean for me in the long term? So definitely the questions changed as the kids aged and we kind of, it did take a couple of years, but we did have, you know, uh, deeper conversations as, as the years went on. Right. And uh, uh, it reminds me of a story, and uh, feel free uh, to uh, cut this, no. but um, I'll uh, uh, try and uh, say it. Um, so a guy is walking uh, down the street, and he uh, falls in uh, a hole and the uh, walls are uh, steep, and he uh, can't uh, get out. Um, pretty soon, uh, uh, a doctor walks by, and he says, hey, doc, uh, can you help me out? The uh, doctor uh, throws down uh, a prescription and uh, walks on, and the uh, uh, pretty soon, uh, a priest walks by, and he says, hey, Father, uh, can you help me out? And the uh, priest writes out a prayer and uh, tosses it uh, down. And uh, uh, soon after, a friend walks by, and the uh, guy says, uh, Hey, uh, Joe, uh, can you help me out? And uh, Joe jumps in the hall and uh, 
the uh, guy says, what are you, uh, crazy? Now we're uh, both down here. And, but his uh, friend says, well, yeah, but I uh, know the uh, way out. And I sort of feel like that's mm. what the uh, association is. They, um, they uh, know how to help families and people uh, struggling uh, with the uh, day-to-day changes that are uh, inevitably uh, gonna come along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that analogy. Willing to jump in the hole with you. Yeah, that's good. That's that's very poignant. I uh, should have uh, said it uh, more uh, succinctly. No, that was good. It's a good story. My last question, and we got into this a little bit just now, but as you've acknowledged, it's very different to be raising teenagers versus toddlers when you're facing something like ALS. So everyone's experience is going to be um, different. But for our listeners, what kind of advice would you give to other parents in similar situations? And it doesn't have to be ALS, but really, you know, just life-altering circumstances. From your experience, what would you have to say? We talked a little bit with Olivia before we did this podcast, and she said the wisest thing, I thought, which was, the first time you told me, it wasn't as important what you said or what you did because I wasn't really taking it in. She said, the most important was when I came to you the first time with questions, mm. how you responded to that. And I thought, well, that's really that's really it, right? Because yeah. who knows, you might be running to work or running out the door or making. So I thought that was very wise. Yeah. I'd uh, also just say, uh, seeking out uh, a professional help or uh, counseling uh, uh, why before uh, talking uh, to your uh, kids or uh, um, uh, during the uh, process as they uh, grow up is um, a good idea because there are people who are uh, highly skilled in uh, navigating um this uh, journey, and um, I think that is uh, something that people may be uh, reluctant uh, to do, especially if you're um, a Midwestern uh, sort of uh, uh, stoic, um, wanting to uh, handle everything uh, yourself, but um, the Burden is uh, something that you don't have to uh, carry on your own. And uh, I think it's uh, better if you uh, involve other people in the process. That's, that's really a smart way to put it. I like that. We also wanted the kids to always know that it wasn't going to hurt our feelings or make us sad or make us remember more about ALS talking about it. So mm. it was always a topic we wanted them to feel open to talking about. It was not uh, in any way going to make it worse to talk about it. So just to keep the conversation going. That's good advice. Yeah, um, uh, Olivia uh, once said that uh, she uh, her hope for the uh, future is that uh, ALS will uh, become not your uh, number one thing, but it will be something that uh, people live with Mm -hmm. and deal with, but it's uh, not the uh, focus of everything uh, uh, for the family. Yeah, that's the future we're hoping for. 
Well, what I appreciate is is you being able to talk about your own experience and, and share how you handled things. And it's going to be different for everyone. There is no blueprint with ALS because each diagnosis is different, each progression is different, and, and everyone is going to have to take what comes to them when it does. But why we specifically want to talk to the two of you is seeing the way you've handled your own situation and, and the way that the kids have been involved. And I think that's a as good as it can be a model uh, to, to do something and to go through something like this as a family. So thank you both so much, uh, Clay and Jennifer, for taking the time to talk about a really important topic and, and something that we get a lot of questions on. This is really valuable. Thank you. Ah, uh, thank you. Thanks, Mike. That was really wonderful of Clay and Jenna to open up about their parenting experiences. And as was mentioned in the interview, if you have questions or are looking for more information about how to approach the subject with your children or other young people in your life, please contact your local chapter of the ALS Association. We are here to help. Okay, for our second segment on today's show, and as part of our ongoing A Moment With series, Anne Suplee from our office sat down with Don Howard and David Saunders, two gentlemen living with ALS, who happened to meet at a support group and as a result, ended up becoming close friends. They share the story of that relationship and expound upon their plan to lighten up a recent meeting. I should point out that David's wife, Nancy, speaks on his behalf during this interview because his disease progression has taken his voice. Here's how that discussion unfolded. The thing that got me most interested was the fact that there were people there that I could connect with, like David. And I became instant friends and uh, from the beginning. And so that, the fellowship that we enjoy in those groups, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and that's what gets me coming back every month. I really didn't want to come initially because you know, I didn't want to be around sick people. And then after a missing a month, I decided that's yeah, being really selfish. Maybe I can add something. So I came and boy, am I glad I did. <laughs> when did either or both of you become aware that there was an ALS support group? Let me start. I know Dave has his answer as well. Uh, I found out about it at the LS clinic when I was diagnosed. They told us about the support group, and we, of course, wanted to, to learn more. And so that's, but that's where we found out. He says, after I attended the MDA gathering in December, I asked about something specific to ALS when I was at clinic the following week. I wanted to meet my fellow ALS warriors and their caregivers. I was impressed by the safe environment provided to patients and their caregivers to share their grief and raw emotions. As I recall, the two of you were the ones who came up for, with the idea of game day. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us I'll more let, about that? Dave, tackle that one first. What, how did that come up? Oh, we were always on serious topics, understandably so, but we needed to have some fun. We all know our respective prognosis, but that doesn't mean we don't like to have fun on our journey. Right. And I, I, I guess I asked the question, you know, we, most of us don't have other fellowship groups other than this one. Maybe church, but other than that, you know, most ALS patients don't get out and about a whole lot. 
And when they do, it's here. And I thought, wow, you know, and as Dave said, you know, we, we do a lot of serious stuff, but let's, let's have some fun. And of course, we always try to have fun, don't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. And do you have favorite games? Oh yeah, he's he's a Scrabble master. <laughs> I brought Yahtzee. My wife and I used to play that a lot. She just cleans my clock. Much <laughs> but hopefully, I'll play somebody that I can beat today. <laughs> Are you going to compete against each other? In Scrabble, I'm I'm sure I couldn't touch this guy. Okay. He seems like a Scrabble master. <laughs> Can we ask who won after yeah. we're all done? I'm sure he'll win. <laughs> okay. Humility. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Thank sir. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again to Don, David, and Nancy for their time and insight into their experiences in support group. That's just about going to do it for the episode, but before we go, there is some exciting news to share with all of you. Starting the first week in March, Connecting ALS will be the official podcast of the ALS Association nationwide. That's going to mean a few changes, including a new weekly format, which means you'll be hearing from us every Thursday instead of just once a month. I'll also have a new co-host. His name is Jeremy Holden, and he's a colleague of ours with the ALS Association's national office. Jeremy's going to bring a fresh perspective and voice to the mix, and we can't wait to work with him. What isn't going to change is our commitment to bring you the most relevant, timely, and human stories about ALS and the families it impacts. And with the increased access we're going to have to the association's broader network and resources, we'll be able to secure interviews with leading researchers, clinicians, and tech experts from around the globe to keep you up to date on all the latest developments in the ALS community. The show will still be called Connecting ALS, and you'll be able to keep listening at connectingals.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe today if you haven't already. And if you are a subscriber, you will keep receiving episodes the way you always have, so no need to change there. This is big news, and we're looking forward to connecting with each of you every Thursday starting in March. Connecting ALS is produced by Garrett Tiedemann at the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.